Well, I'm so excited that you're here to join me for Voice of Breakthrough, this podcast. Podcast. So we are going to hit some powerful topics every single week. We will be having a new podcast with a new topic. So get ready. I'm telling you, this is great to exercise to. This is powerful to uh, listen to when you're cleaning your house or cooking that dinner or cutting the grass, but you're going to turn up loud on your, you know, your, your little iPhone or whatever you have there. Anyway, you're going to love this powerful, life-changing, every single week podcast of Voice of Breakthrough. excited. We're looking at Psalms 51. We're going to look in uh, verse 6. We've already did a teaching on Psalms 51, 1 through 5, and we really dealt with the issues of abortion. We really dealt with the issues of shame. But God has so much in this psalm because David was led by Holy Spirit to write this psalm after he committed adultery, after he committed murder, and I believe after his baby had died. And so he has a lot going on that he's struggling with between him and God. And so we need to look at what Holy Spirit wrote through him or sung through him. These are actually songs and let God do a deep dive. I keep calling this the deep dive series. So God wants to go deep and set us free. How many, how many say so far this morning he's been doing that, right? All right, look where we're at now. Psalms 51, six. I know that you delight to set your truth deep in my spirit. So come into the hidden places of my heart and teach me wisdom. Wow. Is everybody getting this? Only God can do this. We've got to invite him into the deep places in our spirit. We want him to teach us his wind. So, so let's just pray this. Lord, you want to set your truth deep in my spirit. Now, I want you to say like you mean it. Lord, you really want to put your truth deep in my spirit. So come into the hidden places of my heart and teach me wisdom. Okay, now there's a scripture, a promise that says, if anyone asks for wisdom and they ask without doubt, God will give them the wisdom. Okay, so here, here is this powerful psalm saying, if you really want wisdom, then really open up your ears to hear. God will go deep into your spirit. He'll go into the hidden places of your heart and he'll teach you wisdom. We've been talking about the hidden places. Those are the places where you hide from God. Those are the places that you don't want God near. Those are the places where you've been wounded. He says he's come to heal the brokenhearted. Psalm 51, seven, purify my conscience. Make this leopard clean again. Wash me in your love until I am pure in heart. Now, I encourage you guys to take this psalm and go home and really pray it over your lives. Let God go deep, deep, deep. Let him heal. Let him set free. Let him purify your conscience. What's your conscience? That's the part of you that you knew that was wrong when you did it. That's the part of you that you knew you shouldn't have done it, and you begin to justify it. Now, it's really bad when somebody sears their conscience. We're not going to get into that. But when you cross into searing your conscience, God turns you over to a reprobate mind. Anyway, your mind becomes perverted. You no longer know truth from lies. You, I mean, these people who say that there's more than male and female, you guys, they believe it. They've been turned over to a reprobate mind. That's horrific. They've seared their conscience. They hate God. Now, does that mean they can't be saved? No, it means we need to really pray to rescue them. We need to really have so much love to rescue them. How, how painful were they attacked by the enemy to get to that kind of place to hate God that much? See, nobody really hates God. They actually hate Satan who, miss, who, who they thought 
that when something bad happened, they thought it was because of God, but it was really because of Satan. And so bitterness comes. And in that place of bitterness, many are defiled. So here's one, purify my conscience. How, do, how does God purify our conscience? He takes the word and you bring truth to your lies. You bring truth to your conscience. So whatever you believe in your conscience, whatever you bought is a lie. Okay, I bought stupid. When I was younger, I even taught, I even taught before I knew God very well. I did a youth group. This is horrible. And um, at the time, I didn't know that hell was real. So I was in a church doing a youth group and telling all the kids God was too wonderful and too merciful to ever send anybody to hell. Yes, I did. I got fired. I should have got fired. I'm glad I got fired. I should not have been teaching you. But I knew God was awesome. I knew he was real. I was born again. I just had never really understood these deeper things about God. So I'm sitting there teaching the youth that they don't have to worry. There is no hell. God's too good. Who would ever think I ever taught that? Okay. I wasn't a false teacher. I, I was operating the spirit of air, but actually I just was too immature to be teaching the word of God. But I was falling in love with Jesus. And I thought this loving God, the truth is he actually doesn't send anybody to hell. But the truth is hell is real. And if you don't accept his love and his gift of salvation, that's where you're going to end up. But I didn't have that kind of revelation yet because I was in a church, a denominational church that didn't teach anything about anything. And that was the kind of church that hired me. But at least the person who hired me actually knew the gospel and she was like in shock. She's the only one who wanted me fired, but um, they were nice about it. All right. I only made $50, I think, a month doing it or a week or something. Um, he says, satisfy me in your sweetness and my song of joy will return. Let's see what that says in, in Amplified. Make me hear joy and gladness and be satisfied. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. I kind of like the passion better. Satisfy me with your sweetness, Lord. Let my song of joy return. The places within me you have crushed will rejoice in your healing touch. Now, if you get really into the scriptures, now this is, what, what is David saying here? Why is David saying the places in me you have crushed? Because David knows I sinned against you, God. And in that sinning against you, the enemy was able to attack me. Now, here's something we need one reason we should be so excited that we have the blood of Christ is because we really can break generational curses. We really can ask God to forgive us and mean it and close the door for the devil to retaliate, close the door for the devil to come in and try to attack. But how I many know we have to mean this stuff? Sorry, my voice. We have to have true repentance. And then we have to learn spiritual warfare. We have to know how to cancel the assignments of the enemy. All these things we're really going to be learning this year in a big way. He goes on, hide my sins from your face. Erase all my guilt by your grace. So Lord, get rid of my sins. Lord, I don't want you looking at my sins anymore. How many love this? God says in his word that when he forgives you your sins, he forgets them. He says they're as far away from you as, as they can go. Continue to go left, continue to go right, and never meet in a flat world, <laughs> in the universe, okay? They'll never meet. So he's, David's crying out, Lord, get my sins out of your face. Get rid of all my guilt. Pour out, pour out your grace on me. Okay, here we go. Create a new clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts, holy desires, ready to please you. Now, some of us need to go deep 
and letting God heal us because we shouldn't be having thoughts that aren't pure. We shouldn't be having desires that aren't holy. David recognized he let unclean thoughts in. He recognized he gave into unclean desires and he's tired of it. He's not justifying it. He's not saying he's going to do, stay in this. He doesn't want to watch garbage. He doesn't want to ever be tempted again. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? We need to start living this and we need to start praying this and we need to protect our children from all this unholy stuff and quit acting like just because we're living in a place like Sodom and Gomorrah that it's okay. It ought to be bothering us to a place of uniting with other parents and getting strategy from God is what to do with it, to be the influence as a parent or a grandparent that you need to be, to do whatever you need to do as teachers. Teachers need to really cry out. Teachers need to say, no, I'm not taking this break. I'm staying in my room with these kids. We've got to get bold. We've got to get bold. We've got to stand up and do what's right. So he's, he's crying out. So I want, if you've been crying this out, Lord, create a new clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts, holy desires, ready to please you. Whoa, let that, I just feel the presence of God. Let's say it together. Lord, create a new clean heart within me. Fill me with pure thoughts and holy desires. Ready to please you. Now, the pleasing him part is really, really powerful in this. Because if my thoughts are going to be pure and my actions are going to be holy, my desires, then he is my motivation. I want to please God. I want to be holy because he is holy. I want to live in his will. I want to serve him. I want the life he has for me. I want to be the new creation in Christ Jesus. I want to leave darkness. I want to be light. I want to let go of all the other. I'm not trying to hold on to it with both hands and grudgingly go into the kingdom. God, take it. And see, David had to get to this really low, low place. This really low, low place to say, gosh, Lord, I want my focus to be you. I want to please you. I want my desires to be towards you. I want my thoughts to be towards you. And then he goes on, Lord, never reject me. May you never take your spirit away from me. So David was such a forerunner in knowing the Holy Spirit. But every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit. Where is the fear of the Lord to say, I don't want God to take his spirit from me. I don't want my name blotted out of the book of life. I don't want to live without Holy Spirit. I don't want that kind of life. And we are living in a day, people, when temptation is really strong. Just post one scripture and see how, much, how many people get upset. I'm like, don't fight me. Talk to the one who wrote it. If you want help because maybe you're not seeing this right, come talk to me. That's fine. The same with people who are practicing witchcraft. The same with people who are in perversion. The same with anyone. Here, here's, here's something really powerful. If you have family members or if you have friends or whoever, and they're living worldly, but you know they believe in God. Okay, don't deny that they believe in God. Just live holy. Don't enable them to sin around you. Don't let them cuss, you know, in your house. Don't let them... Be doing drugs in your house. Don't let them do things that aren't holy in your house. If they're grown up and they're paying their own bills, what they do outside of your house, you just pray about. But you, live it, but you love them unconditionally. 
but you don't enable them to sin. How can you say you're serving God and you love God if you're the one who owns the house or your name's on the lease and you let sin actively happen in your house? There's no way you're in God's will with that, people. There's just no way you're in God's will with that. Now, if you don't own the house and you're living there with someone else, you need to ask God, should I be living here? Am I a light here? What do you want me to do here? How, why am I here? Show me what to do. Show me how to do it. Do I have grace to do it? Lord, show me what's going on. How many know it's worth being in his will? How many know he knows a way? How many know you don't change his will? Okay, if he knows that person needs to not be in your house, if he knows you need to be somewhere else, if he, then he's the one who's going to tell you. And I'm not saying, I'm not pretending to know. I do know he will not have people sinning in your house and you're the one in charge of that house and have the blessing of God on that house. Not an adult. He did not take back a prodigal until the prodigal repented. And if God has you living somewhere else and you're to be light there, then you should have grace for it. And I'm not saying you want, some of you, you may be the only light that your grandchildren see. You may be the only light that, that, that's still trying to reach your daughter or your son for Christ. But you need that special grace, don't you? You need that grace to be in that place. And when that grace is gone, God may be saying, move on. I'm not saying he is or not. You need to ask him. We need to always be open to be obedient. He can order our steps this way for a season and then change them, okay? He knows what he's doing. You, you can only tell by how much grace do you have. You know, how much am I still empowered and have joy and peace and am growing in the Lord? What do I need to do? He may still have you stay there, but start standing up for who you are in Christ. He may let you have somebody stay in your home who's disabled or something, but you're going to have to say, you can stay, but this is going, that's going, that's going. You can't just look the other way and pretend it's not in your house and not affecting your house, Okay. I think it's good. Cut off the cable, cut off the TV, cut off the internet if you have to, if that's your way of stopping that. But then you need to say, well, keep your phone in your car. Don't bring it in the house. Does everybody understand what I'm saying? Be holy because he's holy. In your house, require holiness. In other words, you're not going to come in here and sin against God in my house. Well, you need the money. I don't need the money that bad. I got a God who's big. He'll send me somebody godly to come and take your place. He'll work what he has to work. He'll do what he has to do. Right? We've got to, we've got to quit deciding how things have to go. That's called control. And we have to trust God. All right. May you never reject me, Lord. May you never take your spirit from me. Let my passion for life be restored. How many need their passion for life to be restored? So what was stopping the passion of life from being restored in David? It was his sin. It was his guilt. It was him ha holding all this stuff and trying to hide it from God. I know there was a relief with David when he, was, when he was found out. There was a relief. At the same time, he still had consequences, right? At the same time. But you know what? He recovered from what he did in sin. And God blessed him with um, with a marriage that he could bless with Bathsheba. He blessed him with a son, Solomon, who came, who was powerful and one of the wisest men in all time. You know, God blessed him. He did not let him build his temple because, or his house because of the blood on his hands. But he did still bless him, right? And he blessed some of his children. But he had a mess. I mean, you want to go look at you, how your son causes messes in your family? Go, go study David. But he loved God. 
He danced before the Lord. He enjoyed the Lord. And so David here is so excited because now he can have his passion for life restored. Remember his passion for life to dance before the Lord and not care what anybody thought, to thank God, to praise God. Um, you know, he's amazing. I love that um, sight and sound play on David. That was so good. I'll have to, you know, some of you need to go see that or you can get that now um, through sub subscription or whatever. But it was so good to see I want you to real. some of you are so bogged down because you do not have that passion for life anymore. You've let the enemy steal it because you're not dealing with where there's shame. You're not dealing with where there's sin. You're not dealing with cleanse me, Lord, show me, Lord, deal with me, Lord. If you don't have passion for life, then let God go to those deep places we're talking about and bring healing and deliverance. Don't hide those hidden places in your heart, turn them over to God. Turn them over to God. Say, Lord, do a deep dive in my heart and get rid of these hidden places, these places where I'm going to be in charge, these places where I'm going to stay delusional, these places where I'm going to call the shots, these places I'm not letting anybody in. Maybe you don't even know they're there. He does. So did you say, take this scriptures and really meditate on them, right? Day and night. Take them before the Lord. Say, Lord, I still think there's some hidden things in my heart. Please show me. And then don't be shocked when he does, okay? I tell this there was years ago, I was like, I thought I was doing so good. I'm like, oh God. And I probably was reading this, create a clean heart within me. I remember I said to the Lord, Lord, if there's anything in my heart that you want out, anything in my heart that doesn't please you. And I literally had like this strange experience where I saw like, I saw all these evil, evil people. And it was like, oh, it just ran through my mind really fast. And the Lord said, it's like, wow, you have the same evil in you as the most evil person. I just cry and say, oh my gosh, God, get it out of me. See, your self-righteousness can't do it. Your good works can't do it. The Bible's so clear when you look at Galatians 4. The Bible's so clear. If you can't do every single law, you break every single law. With God, it's all or nothing. I want everybody to get that. With God, it's all or nothing. That's why we have to give him all of us and let his spirit fill all of us and to let his spirit take over in all of our lives. And that's what this psalm's about. That's what he wants to do for us. It's time. You don't have to go through a horrible tragedy to give him everything. You can freely do it because he says to. All right. So pray for his passion of life to be restored. Tasting joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. Wow. As I've been walking this, this family, especially the mom, through the situation with a really, really, a baby had had to have two uh, open heart surgeries so far and had pneumonia and has, you know, all these things for months. If you could just see the joy every time there's a breakthrough, every time there's a breakthrough, we're laughing, we're celebrating God, we're so excited for what he's showing us. She's so excited for the things he's breaking off her life. He's so excited for the changes. There's such joy. What does the Bible say? Count it all joy, your various trials. When you actually get to that, you're winning. When it's just something you say, you're not winning. There's a real joy. There's a joy that overwhelms you that, oh my gosh, I never saw this. You're so good. I never saw the enemy had this in me. I never saw this. And so when I, when I read this, and actually God gave me this uh, for this person during this trial, we, we taste that joy in every breakthrough you bring to me. How many in here can remember a breakthrough and how much joy you had? No matter how bad the situation, it's time to quit living in bad situations and do this God's way to get through the breakthrough. When you get the breakthrough, you get the joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. You get your passion back. You can't wait to keep living for God. It says, hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever you say. 
See, these are David's prayers to God. When you read Psalms, this is David's heart before God. No matter what was going around him, he wanted God more than anything. He wanted God more than anything. We had a person um, in our ministry who, who was an alcoholic who got free. And so, and they actually stayed free. Once he really gave it up, they never went back for years. And so, and other people would fall back and forth. I said, what was it that made it so you were able to stay free? And they said, I did not want to sin against God. I didn't want to disappoint God. If you continue in sin, you really don't care if you disappoint God. You kind of live in a place like, well, he'll forgive me. You're, you're really playing with fire when you live like that. You just want this heart that, Lord, I don't want to disappoint. This was David's heart. And look how much David did, okay? Most of y'all hopefully aren't going to do all that. But he did not want the spirit taken. He wanted passion. He wanted, he remembered that joy. He wanted that breakthrough. And he said, Lord, hold me close to you with a willing spirit that obeys whatever he says. He says, Lord, make my spirit willing and please hold me close to you. Do y'all see all the powerful prayers you can pray over your lives in here? Do you see all the powerful prayers you can pray over your families? Do you see the power of God's word through revelation? That is really what he's been doing and doing and doing. This isn't simple words. This is a revelation of God to us to say, pray the word, pray the word, pray it over your life. Mean it. Say, Lord, hold me close to you with a willing, Lord, make my spirit willing. Lord, make my children's spirit willing. Make my um, husband's children willing. Make the people of beauty for ashes spirit willing. That's my prayer. Lord, make it willing, Lord, that they want you to hold them close, that they don't want that wall between them. This is David saying, you know what, God? I had a wall between me and you. I had something between us. Oh, God, it's gone. Thank you, God. It's horrible what I did, but you forgave me. Oh, thank you. My joy's restored. My passion's restored. He's like so excited that he got caught. Once he faced God and got right and didn't justify it. Then he goes on. Then, now, here's the big part. Then I can show to other guilty ones how loving and merciful you are. See, if we keep justifying, hiding things, acting like we never did that, acting like it was okay, you have nothing to take to anyone else. But if you know you've been forgiven of an abortion, you can go to someone else and share how awesome that is. I know I've been set free from grief and sorrow, how the enemy set up to kill my daughter and God was faithful even when I wasn't and how powerful he was. I have something to share. Not that they want to hear it yet. But when they finally get tired of feeling tormented, when they finally get tired of having no joy, when they finally get tired of being further and further away from God, they're going to see people who have a victory and they're going to want to know, how do you have so much joy? How do you walk in such a place of freedom? And that's where everybody here, everybody who comes through these doors almost is somebody who has a lot of capability of God setting free in big ways to glorify him and show others how big he is. He says, when, when I... I want to go to guilty ones and show them how loving and merciful God is. They will find their way back home to you, God, knowing that you will forgive them. How powerful is this? We need to be looking for the guilty ones. They're everywhere. They're guilty of murdering their babies. They're guilty of hating God. They're guilty of coming against Christ. They're guilty of hating authority. They're guilty of these things, right? We're, we should be putting our noses up at them. We need to be like David and recognize we were guilty and God took our guilt. God took our shame. God took our sin. We're going to go and tell them about this powerful God. We're going to go and tell them he loves them, not judge them and condemn them, right? 
they will find their way back home to you, knowing that you will forgive them. Oh God, my saving God, deliver me fully from every sin. Now here's another part. Does everybody kind of see how powerful this psalm is? God wants to go deeper than a five-second prayer that you say, God, forgive me. He wants you to, till you know that you've been forgiven, till you know that that thing's come up, those hidden things, you, you take the scripture and you mean it and you release it, okay? And then you say, um, listen, listen to what he says. Get, look at this promise. Get this promise, you guys. When I can show to other guilty ones how loving and merciful God is, what does that mean? I have to know how loving and merciful he is. I have to know how he took away my shame. I have to know how he took away my guilt. I have to know how much he loved me no matter what I did. I have to really know that. I'm not trying to earn his love. I'm not trying to change my behavior on my own. I got it. He loves me. He loved me in my sin. He loved me in my guilt. He loved me in my shame. And nothing could stop him from getting to me. And he now wants me to go to others and show them he loves them. He wants to rescue them. He doesn't want me to shame them. He doesn't want me to pour more guilt on them. He wants me to show them there's an answer to the guilt. Not pretend it's not there. There's an answer to the shame. Not pretend it's not there. To go and bring them into something that I have. But remember, David now has joy, his passion. He's excited again, right? He wants to be close to God. And then he promises this. Okay, this is a promise. Some of you need this promise. They will find their way back home to God, knowing that you will forgive them. Does everybody get how powerful that is? Some people think they've gone too far away from God. Some people think because they willingly, blatantly sinned against God that he can't forgive them. But you can go and show them what he's done for you and let them know God will forgive them. God wants to forgive. We want everybody to know God wants to forgive you. Whatever I ever talk about, whatever sin you participate in, God is merciful. He wants to forgive you. You can only be forgiven if you recognize you sin. Oh God, my saving God, deliver me fully from every sin. This is when you guys should write on your Bibles. Do it. This is something you should be praying. God, deliver me from every sin. This wasn't a one-time thing, was it? This was David going, oh, it feels so good to be free from that. Oh my gosh, it feels so good to be free from that. When you embrace repentance, when you realize how good it feels to not have that shame, to not have that guilt, to not have that grudge, to not have that anger, doing you know how good that feels, you're going to be, even though you're not going to like it necessarily, when God says, we need to deal with this. Because your, your flesh is going to go, something else? And then if it's got a real stronghold in there, like a spirit, like a spirit of rejection, I'm not going to do, I'm not talking though. When you see all that coming up, okay, can you recognize God, God's going, he's doing a deep dive? <laughs> he goes, no, 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 I'm not letting you off. You're not, you're, you're coming out of this without that. You're coming out of this without a fear of rejection. You're coming out of this without bitterness. You're coming out of this, okay? He, God doesn't let go, people. He doesn't let go. I told everyone the story of when I had to take my son and um, he was really sick and, um, and, uh, and I'd ask God for compassion. That's a whole story somewhere you can find it. But as I ask God for compassion, which I really haven't even gotten until now, I'm really getting compassion in a big way. Wow, this has been a long journey. But I went and I, and I went to compassion and I knew this was already looking like it was gonna be a long trial and my son was sick for years. And I remember I went in the restroom at, at King's Daughter Hospital and I said, I changed my mind. I changed my mind. Let me just minister with knowledge. Let me just minister loving you, but I don't need this compassion thing. I, I think it's, that's too high a price to pay. I, I don't want it. And the Holy Spirit said, 
we're going there. We're going there. See, what I didn't understand, my son would have been sick no matter what. If he, if he had been born, the devil was, had this plan for him, okay? So by God, he wasn't sick because God wanted to teach me compassion. He was sick because the enemy attacked him. But God knew, I'm going to take what Satan means for evil, and I'm going to turn it to good because you love me and you're called to my purpose. Guess what? When I want compassion to set people free, I'm called to his purpose, aren't I? When, when I want compassion to heal the hurt, when I want to rescue people, I'm called to his purpose. See, that, that promise is only for those who love God. How do you know you love God? You obey him. That's how you know you love God. You obey him. He says this, you say, yes, sir. That's how he says you love him. And then you're called to his purpose when you want his purpose with your life. That doesn't necessarily mean a fivefold ministry. It means I want to rescue people. I want to help people. I want to help people know how good you are. I want your purpose. Now, God, every time, no matter what the enemy does, no matter how bad it is, okay, it's the enemy who does it, not God doing it, not God even wanting it done. But Satan comes in to kill, steal, and destroy, and we give him plenty of places to do that. And when he comes to attack in an area that he gets to kill, steal, or destroy, then God says, if you love me, I'll turn this to good, if you want to use it for my purpose. So even as I'm walking this family through this trial where their baby was so attacked, I'm watching them get excited about God's purpose. I'm, I'm watching them want to come and preach and want to sing the new song and want to set people free and want people to see the things God delivered them from, okay? So if you don't have that, you're still everything's about you and self and there's hidden places. There has to come this desire to set people free because you've been free. That's not something you keep to yourself. They should, they should not be able to shut you up. It's like you look for an opportunity to rescue somebody, for real. Not to feel better about yourself, not to be, feel, build your delusion. Because God has set you free, because he's so loving, because that's how great it is to be free. So he says, deliver me fully from every sin, even the sin that brought blood guilt. He said, even the sin, David's saying, even the sin where I murdered someone, even the sin that God is so horrific. So God, God's, can heal every sin. He paid the price for every sin. Then my heart, now listen to this, then my heart will once again be thrilled to sing the passionate songs of joy and deliverance. Do you know what? I want to see and worship people. I don't want to see so much talent and, and pizzazz. I want to see these people have been set free from sin, recognize they've been set free from sin. And if they fall into sin, I don't want to stone them, but I want to see them to get free for real, get delivered, really repent, and then want to go rescue people, not drag them into sin with them, acting like it's okay. But how powerful if you really repent, how powerful if God delivers you, how powerful and then like David, David's like, all I want to do now is sing and, and write these songs again and help people know how good you are, not prove something about myself, not make money in ministry. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yes. Now, David could not sing with passionate songs of joy and deliverance until he was really delivered from these sins. Think how powerful worship is going to be as God really purges the church and takes us into a deep dive. Lord, unlock my heart, unlock my lips, and I will overcome with my joyous praise. This is so powerful because there's some people who feel like they can't say anything. There's some people who just can't express themselves. Well, here's a scripture for you. Lord, first come and unlock my heart. Show me where my heart got bound. Show me where I'm bound in my heart. And then, Lord, unlock my lips. 
Let me be able to share who you are, what you're doing in my life, all these good things about you. And I will overcome with my joyous praise. Oh, look at this, you guys. This is powerful. He's basically saying, until you let me unlock your heart, the hard places of your heart, and then set you free to share, it's at that point your power to overcome with praise is going to happen. So a lot of you haven't overcome, really haven't overcome, because you haven't asked God to unlock the deep hidden things in your heart and to unlock your lips. Because you took vows. I'll never tell anybody. I'll never do that. I never act like that. I never say this. Da, 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 da. Okay. Break out. Those, those are hidden things in your heart. Let him unlock your heart. Let him unlock your lips. And then you'll overcome with joyous praise. Then, you're, then you can't help but praise him. And that's going to bring you the full victory. For the source of your pleasure is not in my... Oh, get this one. Oh, get this one. Get this one. Everybody on a worship team, everybody who performs before the Lord in ministry, any way, shape, or form, anyone in that industry, for the source of your pleasure is not in my performance or the sacrifices I might offer to you. That's any kind of ministry. Everybody get this because a lot of people do ministry to try to prove something. They do ministry because it's something they're good at or they do whatever. God says the source of God's pleasure is not in our performance or the sacrifices we offer him. Some of you need to spend some time with God and say, Lord, get that out of my heart that I think somehow that my performance or what I give up for you pleases you. There's a lot in this one psalm, isn't it? There's a lot in this one psalm. And these are things you can go before the Lord because I could do a whole seminar on any one of these things. And I probably have some of it in, in the teaching. Go to the mentorship. Go to beautyfrashes.org and go to our mentorship or our partnership. And there's hundreds of hours of video. But go to God. Say, Lord, help me with this. The fountain of your pleasure is found in the sacrifice of my shattered heart before you. This is a contrite spirit. Basically, when I get broken before the Lord, not the enemy, when I finally give up everything to God, when I finally say, God, I can't do this. God, I can't do this. I can't carry this burden. I can't handle this guilt. I can't handle, I can't, I can't make this right. David could not make this right. I can't make this right. I can't do this. When you get to that place of saying, okay, I can't do this, all my ways of hiding it, all the ways of coping, all the ways of pretending, I said, let it go. I need you, God. I need you. When you get to that place of brokenness, God's right there. He's never left you, but he's right there because now you can receive. Now you can receive. He says, David says, Lord, you will not despise my tenderness as I humbly bow down at your feet. So when you put up a wall to never be vulnerable, you put up a wall, I'm going to be strong no matter what. You put up these walls, nobody can hurt me anymore, or I don't care what they say. All these walls, okay, all these walls, God wants to shatter those. He wants your heart broken before him. He wants you to recognize this is not working for me. This is not working. This isn't the way to handle this. This isn't the way to handle what happened in my past. This isn't the way to handle the way my parents were. This isn't the way to handle the way society treats. This isn't the way to handle it. I can't, I have no way to handle it, God. I can't handle this. I wasn't created to handle this. I have to just get before you, God, and say, please handle this. Please help me. Please do this, God. I've got to humble myself. I've got to let go of all the false strength. I've got to let go of all that I can do this, all my religious works, all my legalism, all my things that I've taken on to survive, right? I've got, got to let go of all those things I've taken on to survive. 
because none of those will help you to survive. They're all something you took on because you didn't know Christ. You didn't know how to let him take over. How can I explain? I can't explain to you when God takes over. Your, your brain can't handle it. Your flesh can't get it. It comes, it's a real thing. You can't fake this. It's a thing where you finally get to the end of you. And as long as you think that you're okay and you're handling it okay and everything's going to be okay, you're delusional. You're delusional. For me personally, a lot of you heard this, when my daughter died, when that tree branch went through her head, and for those who are watching, go get my book, Joy Comes in the Morning, or go to our uh, YouTube channel, look at the spiritual side of the tragedy or whatever we call it. Um, call us, we'll get you the book. But it was, for me, the first thing in my life I could not handle. That I, I couldn't handle anything, but it's the first time I had the revelation I can't handle this. And I knew I was going to be destroyed. I knew I was going to be destroyed if God wasn't real. I knew I was going to be destroyed if he didn't handle this for me. There wasn't one happy thought going through my head like, oh, you know, I'm going to have a big testimony. All I, get, I can't do this. I remember thinking, I can't do this. My how's my marriage going to survive this? How are my kids going to be okay? How am I going to live without my daughter? How am I ever going to be okay? It wasn't pretended faith. I didn't rise up in something fake. I just totally, totally gave everything to God. I can't do this. You know, you don't have to wait till something that hard to do what he died so we could do without it even being hard. We can give him everything without a tragedy. We can give him everything without a big problem. We just have to know that we want to. Lord, I want to give you everything. I don't want, you don't want to have the devil take his plan as far as he can, right? How much more heartbreak do you want? How many more people do you want to disappoint? How much more things do you want to find out don't work out? How much more pretending do you want to do? So God's given you a way to not do that. God will not despise us when we finally become tender. We finally open our hearts. We finally say, okay, God, I can't do this. See, if you have so much control or delusion, you think you've been able to do all this. All you've done is made a big mess. You've drawn other people into your mess. You manipulate other people. You control other people. You, you, you try to make everything work out, and it's a mess. And the whole time you're trying to be somebody you're not and make everybody think you're this happy person or you got it all together. And God's like, do you know you can't have it all together till you have God? And the more he's in charge, the more you have it all together because he is the all together. He's the all together God. He's the only one who can make it all work together. And then it's not even a burden. It's not even hard. It's his light. He just does it. He opens the way. He makes the way. Even as I'm reading these scriptures, God gave us this in the middle of this intense trial for this young couple and it was exactly what we needed there's tons of scriptures but look how much life is in one psalm and people i've read that i've done that people would rather spend time reading other people's books and running after this and that youtube because now nobody wants the time to actually read and listen look what is in one psalm we need to get this word out we need to make sure the enemy cannot steal this word from us get it in your heart he says he would not despise anymore being vulnerable. In other words, okay, I'm going to let the wall down. It's very scary to let a wall down that you didn't really kind of even know you put up. But the lack of love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, long-suffering, patience, what happens in your brain or what you go after people with that people don't see, that's a wall. That's a hard place in your heart. 
It separates you from real relationships with people. It's one of the biggest issues. It's not about them changing. It's about you letting that wall down. You can't change till that wall comes down. You can't change till you say, okay, help God. Help and mean it. And it says, God's not going to despise you when you get to that place. And you humbly bow down at the Lord's feet. Because of your favor, Zion, do what is good for her. Be the protecting wall around Jerusalem. How many want the Lord to be your protection? How many want the Lord around everything that concerns you and everything else? You've got to let your own walls down. You've got to let your walls down. For him to be the wall around you, you have to let your things that you've taken to protect yourself. Smart mouth, I don't care. A, a gentle, fake little thing like, oh, you're so nice and so good all the time. You've got to let all that down. You've got to let all of that down. Does everybody understand? And then God will be the protecting wall around you. And when we are fully restored, this is so cool because we were praying this over a baby that's been in the hospital for months, that the enemy's attacked in all different ways. And now we were asking for restoration. Lord, restore this baby to who you intended him to be. Restore every part of his body from his head to his toes. Bring total restoration. And that's what you want to begin to pray. Lord, what is this telling us, you guys? Put that wall down. Put that wall down and let God be the wall. Put your fake protectors down. Let God be the protector. Get out of your own brains trying to solve everything and fix everything and trust God to do it. What's he saying? Die to self. Die to self. God, I can't do this. I don't even know where to start. I don't even know how to begin. But I know you're real. And then he says, when you do this, he'll be your protection. And then he says, when you are fully restored. Guess what? That is just the beginning of the process of God restoring you. That wall is in your way. Some of you have sat in here for years and years and years, and you really haven't changed much. Some of you maybe haven't changed at all. You just added some spiritual stuff to it. It's that wall. It's that wall. You need to hate that wall. You need to hate the counterfeit protection that you're hiding behind. You need to hate it, and you need to ask God to bring it down. You don't want it. No matter how painful the memories are behind that wall, no matter what you're going to have to face, you're going to face it holding his hand. You're going to face it in his divine protection. You're going to repent where you need to repent. You're going to get free from guilt and shame where you need to get free from guilt and shame. You're going to apologize where you need to apologize. Whatever you have to do, because you know how to do it, he's going to take you there. And then he says, when you are fully restored, you will rejoice and take delight in every offering of our lives as we bring our sacrifices of righteousness before you in love. So you're going to rejoice and you're going to really know how to sacrifice before the Lord. You're going to love him with everything in you and you're going to shine. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Psalms 51. We thank you, God, for this power that you had even before the new covenant, Lord. How much greater is it now? How much greater is it now that everyone that asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of their life I don't care what your religious background is. I don't care what nation you're from. Every person who says there's something this lady is saying that's true. I want you to say, Jesus Christ, thank you for dying for my sins. Jesus Christ, help me. I want the walls down. I want to be free. I want to rejoice. Set me free. Help me. Send your Holy Spirit to come inside of me. And let's do this process of full recovery. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you love this teaching, then you better say you love this teaching. 
then we want you to check out our web at beautyforashes.org. There is so much teaching there, and there's a resource uh, library there. And also, check out my Facebook page at Cindy Foster Beauty for Ashes Ministry. We'd love you to partner with us and come along for the ride into the apostolic. God bless you. 